devices just a few weeks ago, Emily came to me and she said, hey, how does the blower work? Man, I was so excited because y'all let me tell you something, I can rock the blower. I mean, I know how to start that thing and so I felt really, you know, I felt really confident talking to her and I was like, what you got to do is you got to put it on choke. And you know, and then you gotta you gotta prime it ten times, and so I went through this whole thing. I, mean, I felt like I felt like a man, and so it was awesome. Now, I know for some of y'all that's not that big of a deal, but I gotta take victories, you know, wherever I can get them. And there's something exciting or something great whenever you're able to do something without doubt. You know, where you're able to do something and have some certainty about it. I mean, you're able to relax. You're able to feel like, hey, I know what's going on here. And so it just gives you this great sense of confidence. Now, I, I believe this. I believe that, that many of us, just in life in general, are looking for confidence. And yet it seems like that we just live in a very uncertain, unsure time. And so because of that, what happens is many of us are struggling and living in doubt. And when you look at life just in general, there's not a whole lot or too many things that we can be certain of. I mean, it just seems like everything that we used to think that we know or that we knew is now, it's called into question. I mean, you, know, you look at, uh, and I'm not trying, I'm not going to, well, maybe I am trying to depress you. I, I saw an economist on TV the other day, and I just, you know, I just wanted to g- just give up. I mean, he said, I really believe within the next five years, the Dow Jones is going to hit 6,000. It was 17,000 this week, and so I was thinking, man, that ain't good. And so there's a lot of uncertainty concerning our economy. There's a lot of uncertainty concerning, you know, morality. I mean, we look around and the things that we used to think were right, well, today they're now being called into question. Uh, There's uncertainty even concerning matters of faith. And so we, we look at matters of faith and we can say or we hear people say, well, how can you know or how can you believe that the God that you serve is the right one? How can you know or how can you believe that that the scripture that you look into is something that is actually trustworthy? And so when it comes down to it, y'all, we live, we live in some uncertainty today. A lot of uncertainty. But here's what's interesting to know. That as uncertain as our times are today, there's always been a sense of uncertainty in our world. And as we continue through our study in the book of Daniel, what we're going to discover is that Daniel was living in a time that was very uncertain. But here's the good news. Today as we look in this passage of scripture, we're going to see that as Daniel was living in the midst of uncertainty, he learned how to live with certainty. He learned that even in the midst of uncertainty, there are some things that you can be certain about. And so it's my hope today that for you and for me, as we live in uncertain times, that we're going to discover through Daniel some things that we can be certain about so that we can have some confidence. And so that's why we're going to look in Daniel chapter 7 today. And as we kind of look back on Daniel, Daniel's life was marked with a lot of uncertainty. Uh, You might remember if you go all the way back to Daniel chapter 1, Daniel was living in Jerusalem And he was pulled out of his hometown. He was taken captive and brought into Babylon, where he lived in very uncertain times. 
Now, he rose in ranks and he served a lot of different kings there. Uh, but many of those kings were temperamental. As a matter of fact, the king that he's serving in the text we're reading today was the king Belshazzar. And as, as history shows us, Belshazzar was a man whose reign was marked with volatility. And so there's a lot of uncertainty in Daniel's life. And there's a lot of uncertainty in our lives as well. And the things that I've already mentioned, but Benjamin Franklin said, really in life there's only, you know, there's only two things you can be certain of. You, know, you remember what they are? Yeah, death and taxes. Now, you know what? I think he might be on to something there. But there's just a lot of uncertainty. And so the question is, well, where do we look to for answers? You know, as we live in a time of doubt, is there, any, is there anything that we can place our hope and confidence in and know with certainty that that's solid ground for us to stand on? Well, Daniel today is going to show us a few things that we can be certain of in the midst of uncertainty. And I, I really do. I hope you're encouraged today. And I know that there's a lot of, you know, bad news and a lot of things that cause us to be frustrated out there. But I want you to have hope today. And the first thing that I see that Daniel shows us that we can be certain of is this. The very first thing is everything. You can be certain that everything is temporary. Everything is temporary. Now I want you to look with me in, in chapter 7, verse number 1. It says, in the first year of Belshazzar, king of Babylon, Daniel had a dream with visions in his mind as he was lying on his bed. And he wrote down the dream, and here's the summary of his account. Daniel said, in my vision at night I was watching, and suddenly the four winds of heaven stirred up the great sea, and four huge beasts came up from the sea, each different from the other. And the first one was like a lion, but had eagle's wings. Any of y'all had a dream like this? Dream about a lion with eagle's wings? Me either. All right, it says, I continued watching until its wings were torn off. It was lifted up from the ground, set on its feet like a man, and given a human mind. This is a strange dream. And suddenly, another beast appeared, a second one that looked like a bear. And it was raised up on one side with three ribs in its mouth between its teeth. And it was told, get up, gorge yourself on flesh. And while I was watching, another beast appeared, and it was like a leopard with four wings of a bird on its back, and it had four heads and was given authority to rule. Do you all see why I was struggling as I was working on this sermon? Okay, anyway. All right, verse number seven. While I was watching in the night visions, a fourth beast appeared, frightening and dreadful and incredibly strong with large iron teeth. And it devoured and crushed, and it trampled with its feet whatever was left. It was different from all the beasts before it, and it had ten horns. And while I was considering the horns, suddenly another horn, a little one, came up among them, and three of the four, first, uh, first horns were uprooted before it. And there were eyes in this horn like a man's, and it had a mouth that spoke arrogantly. I promise we're going to get there. Verse 15, it says, As for me, Daniel... My spirit was deeply distressed within me, and the visions in my mind terrified me. I approached one of those who was standing by and asked him the true meaning of all this, and so he let me know the interpretation of these things. These huge beasts, four in number, are four kings who will rise from the earth. All right. When you look at Daniel's life, there's a lot of uncertainty. Um, I look at this dream. I mean, this is a pretty uncertain dream. I mean, he's already been uprooted from his home. 
He's been taken into captivity. He's serving in a nation that's about to be overthrown. Things aren't looking good. And then all of a sudden, God gives him this dream. Okay, now what does Daniel dream about? All right, I'm just going to very briefly mention the four things that, that he dreams about. If you look at his dream, you see that, that Daniel had to dream about a lion with eagle's wings, a bear, a leopard, this is the strange one, and an animal that had teeth like iron, he had ribs in his mouth, and he had ten horns on his head. Okay, I look at that dream, and I think Daniel needs to take some Maalox before he goes to bed, right? I mean, this is a strange dream. But this dream was significant. Now, now what does it mean? Well, that's why we went to verses 15 through 17, because it's here that we get the interpretation of the dream. The angel told Daniel, said, each one of these animals represents a coming kingdom, or a kingdom, and then the kingdoms that will come after it. The lion, it represented Babylon. It's a lion with wings. Now, Nebuchadnezzar, this was Nebuchadnezzar's kingdom, Babylon. It was the world power. They they grew exponentially under the leadership of of, uh, Nebuchadnezzar. But in our text, it says that that lion's wings will be torn off. And so what God was letting Daniel know is that this kingdom that you are presently serving, as a matter of fact, under this king, Belshazzar, he said it's getting ready to come to an end. There is another kingdom that's going to overthrow them. And it says it was the one that was like a bear. Now this represented the Persian Empire. And we talked about this already in a previous chapter where, you remember the handwriting on the wall? That very night, the Persian, the Persian general Cyrus came in and destroyed Babylon's king and they took over. But then another kingdom was going to come up after this one. And the other kingdom, it says, it was like a leopard with four wings. This kingdom, as you read through the book of Daniel, you discover it represented the Greek Empire under Alexander the Great. Have you all heard of, you know, you've heard of Alexander the Great. Now here's what's interesting. This is all written before Alexander the Great was ever born. And so it's prophesied about that this great king would come out of Greece and it said he had four wings which indicated the speed with which he would overtake the world. In six years, history tells us that Alexander the Great conquered most of the known world. And then finally it talks about another beast that has teeth like iron. He's got ten horns on its head. This represented the Roman Empire. That was led by men like you know, Julius Caesar and by Augustus. Okay, now you say, okay, now what is the significance of all this? There's actually more here. But, but here's, here's the idea that God is getting across to Daniel. He lets him know kingdoms come and kingdoms go. You know, as great as, as we think we are, guys, let me tell you something, kingdoms come and kingdoms go. Now, this flew in the face of the Babylonians and what they believed. They believed that their kingdom was going to last forever. They believed that their kings were gods who were eternal. But what God was letting them know, let me tell you something, everything is temporary. And all throughout the Bible, God talks about the temporary nature of life, this, of this world. Isaiah 48 says, The grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of our God stands forever. Hebrews 9.27 says, It is appointed unto man once to die and then to face the judgment. Now we all know that life is temporary. We all know that, and yet for some reason we like to think that somehow we're going to be the exception to the rule, right? I, mean, I, like to, I would like to think that. But the Bible's very clear. 
everything is temporary. And it's critical that we understand that life has a timetable. Now you might think, well, how is that supposed to encourage me? You know, how is this dream supposed to encourage me where you say, well, everything is temporary. Your life is just like, you are a vapor. You know, you're just, you're dust, you are dust in the wind. That's all that you are. So how does that encourage me? Here's how it encourages me. And that is that God is not taken by surprise when things happen. When there is uncertainty, God is certain about the future. God knows what the future holds. As a matter of fact, if you look in verse number 2, Daniel said that the four winds of heaven will stir up the sea, and out of the sea would come these four beasts, or these four kingdoms. And I said, what does that mean? Here's what's interesting to me. The four winds that are mentioned in verse number 2, and this is where y'all kind of got to like hang here with me. Uh, It's it's sort of like the movie The Matrix. You know, you got to watch the whole thing. Okay, so verse number 2 says that it talks about the four winds. What are the four winds? The four winds were agents that came from heaven that worked for God. Zechariah 6.5 mentions these four winds. It says, the angel replied, These are the four spirits of heaven who stand before the Lord of all the earth, and they are going out to do His work. Guys, God isn't surprised by the uncertainty what's going on in our text he's not surprised by the uncertainty that we are facing in our world in our country and in our lives today in verse number two it says that it is the lord who is stirring up the seas god stirred up the seas so that these kingdoms would arise now, now why would he do that i believe god is doing that because he is moving people always to where they have to make a decision Are you going to serve the temporary, or are you going to serve the eternal? Now, God doesn't make that choice for us, but God always moves us to a point of decision. And obviously, God desires for us to make the best choice. That's why he showed this dream to Daniel. And he wanted Daniel to know, kingdoms come, kingdoms go. As we live in this time of what I really believe is a time of turmoil, here's the encouragement for me. It it too shall come to pass. You know, kingdoms come and kingdoms go. Now, Now, just because that's the case and I can find comfort in that doesn't mean that life sometimes isn't scary. I mean, Jesus said in John 16, 33, in this world, Jesus said, you will have trouble. But what it does mean is that whenever you travel down God's path, while it may be scary, when you trust in God, God's going to take you where he wants to take you, and it's always a good place. Let me try to give you an an example of this. I I don't know how many of y'all are, I'm I'm not a big fan of heights. And and getting on elevators is not one of my favorite things. Y'all, or airplanes. Uh, Let's go with the airplane. When you get on an airplane, do you know how crazy that is? I mean, you get on the airplane and you are flying thousands of feet in the air in this little tiny cylinder, I think of it as a cylinder coffin, right? And so you get in that thing and, and now we get on it because we are believing it's going to take us to the place we want to go to. But when I get on it, you know, when it's taking off, did any of y'all ever have like, you think, what am I doing on this thing? Y'all ever have those thoughts or is it just me? I'm thinking, dude, I am feeling very uncertain right now. 
Yeah, I'm putting my lives, my life in the hands of a pilot that I don't know and I've never met. Now, I got on the plane. I made an irrevocable decision, right? When you get in the air, it's not like, you know, he's going to just put the plane back down. So I can be scared that whole flight, but eventually I arrive where I want to go. Now, in, in a similar sense, that's, that's what it's like when you follow Jesus, you trust Jesus. You know, when you say, I, Lord, I'm putting my life in your hands, and you trust him. But you know, there are times, even after you do that, where you begin to have doubts. And you begin to wonder, where's God? You know, is, is God, does he remember me? Does, is he even real? Because whenever, even if you have doubts, whenever you've placed your life in the hands of God, God is eventually, he's going to take you to the destination that he's promised you. Now you can go there white knuckling it or you can go there trusting and relaxed in him. Now here's what I learned from Daniel. There's some things we can be certain about. And the first thing we can be certain about, everything is temporary. Okay? Everything's temporary. What else can we learn from Daniel? Another thing we can be certain of, and this is a good one, evil will eventually be destroyed. Guys, everything's temporary. That means that eventually evil is going to be destroyed in our world. Verse number 9, it says, As I kept watching, thrones were set in place, and the Ancient of Days took a seat. His clothing was white like snow, and the hair of his head was like the whitest wool. This is a, a, a phrase or a, a title used for God. It says, A river of fire was flowing, coming out from his presence, and thousands upon thousands served him. Ten thousand times ten thousand stood before him, and the court was convened, and the books were opened. And I watched then, because of the sound of the arrogant words, the horn was speaking. This is an agent of the devil. It says, As I continued watching the beast, as I continued watching, the beast was killed and its body destroyed and given over to the burning fire. And the rest of the beast, their authority to rule, was removed, but an extension of life was granted to them for a certain period of time. Okay, here we go. At this time, Daniel and all of his buddies had to be wondering how long are we going to be caught up in this mess? How long are we going to be in exile? How long are we going to be in captivity? Are we ever going to get a chance to go back home? And they're asking this question because years before, God had promised the Jewish people, He said, I'm going to make a great nation out of you. He said, I'm going to establish your kingdom forever. That sounds good. But where are they right now? They're not on the throne right now. They're in captivity. I mean, God had told them in Psalm 89, 3 through 4, he said, The Lord said, I've made a covenant with my chosen one. I've sworn an oath to David, my servant. I will establish your offspring forever and build up your throne for all generations. It's a promise from God. And now here they are in captivity. And they had to be thinking, did God forget about that promise? Or did God just realize, man, I can't keep that one? Well, here's the deal. God says, before I bless you, you have to bless me. You have to be obedient to me. It's only then that you're going to receive my blessings. And this bears itself out in 1 Kings 9. It's what the Lord said. It said, if you or your sons turn away from following me and do not keep my commands, my statutes that I've set before you, and if you go and serve other gods and worship them, I will cut off Israel from the land I gave them, and I will reject the temple I have sanctified for my name. Guys, our, our nation has benefited and reaped the rewards of God. 
And I really believe this. I believe that our country has been so special and so blessed because when we first came here, people first came here seeking after God. They were seeking the freedom of religion. They were, uh, they were seeking the freedom to worship. And out of that was born a free and special nation. Now, I'm not saying we did everything right. I mean, you can look at our history and we all know that there are stains that are in our history, but there are some things that we did do right. But as time has passed by, we have gone deeper and deeper into darkness and we have moved away from the light of God's Word. And it doesn't take long to figure out what we've done. I mean, I I look and I see that, that the sanctity of life is no longer as valued as it used to be. And I see people who are screaming for the rights for abortion, and then they decry it when animals are mistreated. Now, I'm not for animals being mistreated, but I'm thinking, you got to be kidding me. What about people? The, the, the right, the freedom of life, the value of life has diminished. Our morality is sort of tur- it's turned upside down. As a matter of fact, I saw a statistic that said all per- pornographic revenue in the United States takes in more money every year than every pro sports team revenue combined. That's TV deals as well. And then we wonder, why ain't God blessing us? You know, why does it seem like that our world is in chaos? And I see that stuff, and I get depressed, and I think, man, we ain't got a chance. There is no hope. And as a pastor, that is not good. I mean, can you imagine if I just stood up here every week and said, y'all just forget about it. There's no hope. Now, that's not going to be really encouraging. But Daniel is letting us in on a secret in the text that I just read you. And here it is. He's letting us know the days of evil are numbered. It's not always going to be this way. In verse number 26, it says, But the court will convene, the court in heaven, and his dominion, Satan's dominion, will be taken away to be completely destroyed forever. Christians, we have hope. Even in the midst of uncertainty, we have hope. And we are called to hang on to the hope of the work of Jesus, what he did for us on the cross, and when he rose from the grave. 1 John 3.8 says, The Son of God was revealed for this purpose, to destroy the devil's work. when When the future looks bleak, we have hope. Days of evil are numbered. Hope is tremendously powerful. The question is, are we going to hang on to the hope, to the promise that God has given us? Our our world, there's something powerful when we are living in uncertain times and people see others, see believers living with certainty. And that will open the door for you to be able to share with people why you have hope. Why do we have hope? Because guys, the days of evil, they are numbered. Okay, there's some things we can be certain about. Everything's temporary. Evil will eventually be destroyed. This is the final thing. Jesus will be victorious. That's the good news. We live in uncertain times, but Jesus will be victorious. Uh, Look with me, the last two verses, verses 13 and 14. 
says, I continued watching in the night visions, and I saw one like a son of man coming with the clouds of heaven. He approached the Ancient of Days and, and was escorted before him. And here's the good news. He was given authority to rule and glory and a kingdom so that those of every people nation and language should serve him and his dominion is an everlasting dominion that will not pass away and his kingdom is one that will not be destroyed okay in this text daniel said there's one like the son of man who is coming down from heaven or coming out of the clouds now what what is the son of man the son of man was a title that was used for the Messiah. Do you know that that is Jesus' favorite designation of himself all through the New Testament. He calls himself the Son of Man all the time. So when he says that, he's referencing Daniel, saying, I am the Messiah. Uh, Jesus said of himself in Mark 10, 45, for even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. Now this is one of the, one of the really neat things in, in verse number two, we are told, the, remember the, the beast or the kingdoms come out of the sea? It says the Son of Man comes out of the clouds. What does that mean? When you come out of the earth, the, the, the reference here is that everything's temporary. These things are temporary. When you come out of the clouds, it's saying you are coming from God and these things are eternal. It is saying the, kingdom of this, the kingdoms of this world are temporary. The Son of Man, when he comes, he is eternal. Okay, so what does that mean for us? Guys, it means good news. Things of this earth, the kingdom, the kingdoms of this world, the junk that we see going on today, it will not last. And you might say, when I watch the game right now, the game of life, it looks like we're getting crushed. It looks like we're losing. I'm right there with you. But guys, here's the news. The fourth quarter's not here yet. Now, if it is, it's just started. And when fourth quarter comes, Jesus is showing up. You know what happens in the fourth quarter when Jesus shows up? He wins. Verses 13 and 14. That, very simply, is what it's telling us. Jesus wins. The Son of Man reigns. Philippians 2, 9-11 says, For this reason God highly exalted him and gave him the name that is above every name. So that the name of Jesus, every knee will bow. Of, of those who are in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. In 1 Corinthians 9, Paul said we are to run the race of life to win. Christians, we are not here taking up space. We are not here just simply to say, now you live and you die. We are here as a living testimony that even in the face of uncertainty, we have hope that our God wins. He wins. Now it's almost like that there's a race going on. And we feel like we are so far behind. But guys, even though we look like we're so far behind, I promise you, God promises you victory. Now what I want to do, I saw this video, and y'all, we, we'll, we'll just play this video, then we'll close the service. I saw this video of a girl who's running a race, and it looks like she doesn't stand a chance. And I think this is a good picture of what life is like for those of us who are believers. So uh, if, if you'll play the video, it lasts about a minute and a half, so y'all hang in here with me. 
a good picture. It looks like we've fallen and we're behind. Guys, God wins. Now there's some things in life that we, we live in uncertain times right now, but there's some things we can be certain about. Everything's temporary. We can be certain of that. We can be certain that if evil will eventually be destroyed, and we can be certain that Jesus will be victorious. Now, now how do I know this? Because that's what this book says, and it plays out.